Good morning, beloved. Nice to be back Thursday afternoon. We got a dusting of snow on the ground yesterday, and it is cold. Woke up to 23 degrees. I'll tell you, I have, uh, I've been trying to build myself up to this goal that I've set for, well, those of you who are joining me, of the 10-minute cold shower which is going to come up tomorrow, and I have to say that I'm a little bit dismayed. I, I pushed it up to five minutes this morning, and goodness, it was cold. <laughs> it was, it seems to be, there seems to be a difference between four minutes, three or four minutes, and five. Uh, I found it to be exceedingly cold, and, the, and I thought when I stepped out of there at five, I was pretty, pretty happy to be out. Are you coming? Mama, it's not Friday yet. It's not Friday yet. Goodness, if I spoil you. You will never stop coming down here, so you'll have to wait. You just have to wait. This is as good as I can do right now. I don't know what it was, but I, I, th I thought I had it mastered, and, uh, but it was difficult. I was really, really, really cold <laughs> after, after that five minutes. So I don't know, man. I told you I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it, but it's going to be pretty. It's going to be, well, I, I should stop saying. I don't want to talk myself out of it. Um, I'm just going to have to suck it up and do it. But 10 minutes is a long time. And I started thinking of ways I could weasel out of it by maybe turning off one of the two shower heads. You know, we have two shower heads in our shower, but uh, I'm just going to do it. We're going to have to do it. I put my hand to the plow. I know a lot of you are, well, I don't know, Colton, what the temperature is. I can just tell you that it's cold. It seemed to me, you know, I, I, as we talked about this yesterday, this is such a head game. It's, there's so much psychology involved in this. And uh, when, I was, when I was about the four-minute mark, no, I was at the three-and-a-half-minute mark, starting to feel sorry for myself, and I made the mistake of getting out of my routine and just focusing on what was, it, what was in the moment. And I looked at the timer up on the windowsill, and I had a minute 29 to go, and it about tore my guts out, <laughs> tore my heart out. And I thought, I shouldn't be looking at that thing. Just, just get in the moment, and when it rings... It, it rings, but goodness, it was tough. And I, when I was feeling sorry for myself at that moment, I was thinking, yeah, it was 23 degrees outside. So I, I, you know, I was telling myself, then the water just must be colder today. <laughs> but, but that's impossible because water comes out of the ground at the same constant temperature, right? Same temperature. That's why the heat pumps work. All right, let's get started. Let's, uh, well... You know what time it is. Time to light, light the lantern. We've had a couple scares the last couple days. That <sighs> at least we're beyond the spilling of the fuel, right? At least, at least we have that. Thank goodness for the old school funnel, that newfangled funnel that we tried. I think that was the, that was the reason we were having all of the difficulties. This, of course, is a dual-fuel lantern. They claim it runs just perfectly off of unleaded fuel, and it does. It does. There's just a bit of a learning curve here. All right. The first obstacle. I think of that Top Gear episode every time I'm filling this. It was a, one of the specials, and Jeremy... is. I think he's low on power steering, a transmission fluid. It was either transmission fluid... Or power steering fluid. I can't remember which one. And he's concentrating, just like I am right here, and he's pouring it in there. And James May says, you're watching a man operating at the extreme limits of his ability. First hurdle, 
We have, we have got past the, the spilling. We have definitely grown, grown out of that. So that is good. It seems that the colder it is out here, maybe the more temperamental the infernal machine is. Heading into Portland today. People ask me why. And the reason why, we've been invited to a wedding. And it's a formal wedding. And when you, go, when you show up to a wedding, if you are a proper professional homeowner, then you show up with a suit and tie. Well, I'm not much of a suit and tie guy, but I think it's important that every man have a suit. You should have a good suit. You should save up and have one done and have it tailored, for goodness sake. Some of the suits I see you guys wearing, putting on, look like you're wearing your dad's clothing. You, you wanna, it, it's important your clothing, that your clothing fit. It says a lot about you. Says, it says that you care. Um, it, um, it, it helps your confidence. You know, they say clothing makes the man, and that's a not entirely true, but it's also, there, it's not nothing either. If you are, find yourself in a, a stressful situation, job interview. We had a, a, a young man yesterday that was asking for advice uh, that was applying for an apprenticeship. It's very important to, to kind of get that, um, to take that, that problem away. You have enough to worry about thinking about what you're going to say and how you're going to conduct yourself and, and trying to make a good impression. If you're not comfortable with what you're wearing and it's ill-fitting and you're self-conscious about that, then um, it, it's hard to focus on the task at hand. There was, I, read, I read about a fascinating study. Now, we're going to talk, this was a study on women. Women are completely different creatures, regardless of what they tell you. Men and women are very different. Not one better than the other. We're just very different. And, and in, the, in a godly setting, when we come together, we actually, we complement each other and we can actually do better, have a better life and do more with a good woman by your side. But this study was fascinating. They took women that were uh, going to go in and interview for a job. This was a study. And what they did before they went in and interviewed, they put um, a visible scar, a prosthetic scar on their face. And, and the women were involved in this. They knew this was going to be the study. And they wanted the, the women, women to, they wanted to gauge what the difference was, what, what the woman's perspective, how it was different as she went in there with a scar on her face versus not a scar. You know, how would that affect the way you felt your performance was, et cetera, et cetera, right? Well, what they didn't tell the women was that right before they were to step in for this interview, they, they walked up, they said, we're going to touch this up. And they didn't touch it up. They actually removed it. And they sent the woman in to the interview thinking she had a blemish or a scar on her face when in fact she did not. Do you know what happened when she came out? When they came out, they felt that they had been treated unfairly. They, treat, they had been treated, uh, they had been uh, disrespected, they had been um, um, judged differently or more harshly. They, they had built up in their mind uh, that, the, that the interview was a complete disaster even though it wasn't. Just because they thought that they were going in there with that scar on their face, they were so self-conscious about it that it completely ruined the whole experience. And not only that, but they thought that they had been mistreated or treated unfairly. Very, very interesting, isn't it? Now, that is female. Female natures are a little bit different, and they're more about their personal appearance. If you doubt that, then look at the industries. Hair, makeup, plastic surgery, fashion. Are we, are, are we going to make that argument? 
No, we are not. Look at their clothing. Their clothing is very different than our clothing. Our clothing as men are usually subdued colors of a sturdy and heavy fabric because we want utility. We need things to protect us when we're working. We want things that are not particularly going to show the dirt, uh, that are going to be reliable, durable, going to last a long time when we invest our money in it. We don't want things that are just going to be going out of fashion or go out one time and, and hook up your trailer and tear it because the fabric is a poor quality. It's going to have functional uses. It's going to have shoulders that you can move in and, and, and cut that way. We're going to have big utility pockets where we can put our EDC gear and all these things, belt, belt loops, practical, right? Purely practical, unless you're a homo, right? But purely practical for use. Where? Our, our female friends, little tiny pockets that have no count, you know? <laughs> bright, shiny fabrics, you know, how to draw attention to yourself. You know, it's, we're just very different, different uh, creatures uh, for sure. We better focus on the task at hand here. Already I'm twisting tails. Already getting into trouble. Did I pump this thing up yet? Oh yeah, I can feel I like I overpumped it. Come on now. Come on now. Well, that was uneventful. I'm getting the touch. I'm getting the touch. We didn't have a, a near explosion this time. So as I said, we're going into Portland. Um, people always ask me why we go into Portland. Well, there's some things we some things that you need. You can't get everything online, right? So I made the mistake, I told you guys the other day, uh, we're talking about suits, uh, I realized that we were, well, we were invited to Jack's, um, it was kind of a homecoming thing. Now the homeschoolers, there's a lot of folks out there that don't understand, come on now, don't, don't understand homeschooling. And you can tell, the moment you ever tell anyone about homeschooling, it could be family members, it's the same, you get the same answer every single time. Oh, you homeschool, you see them thinking, you see the disapproval, and then the first question out of their mouth is, well, aren't you worried that they won't get socialized? <laughs> they won't get socialized. No, we're not worried about that. Uh, we're, we're, we understand that that's important. So the kids, the homeschooling kids in our group are all involved with, um, with the sports. You know, they, the, the, the kid, in our state anyway, the kids have access to the sports teams at the high school. So Jack does wrestling and plays soccer and track uh, and cross country. You know, he does all those things. And then we, as a group, uh, we have a, a pretty good organization. This is kind of the epicenter of the homeschooling movement. It's, it's very, very popular here. And um, the homeschool mothers get together and we put on a proper homecoming and, and you know, different things at the end of the year for the kids, socials, so that they can you know, meet with the girls and, and dance. And it's a really, it's a great time. So the first one for Jack was last year. That was his, uh, you see, he's a junior this year. So it was a sophomore last year and it's formal. So you have to wear a suit. So this one was, we, the, all the parents were invited as well. And it was formal and I did not have a suit. Didn't have anything. I didn't even have khakis. I had nothing. I had jeans, right? So I thought, well, I know every man needs a suit. So I went and I had a suit made. 
had a bespoke suit made. I always wanted to do that, and uh, so pick, it was a very fun experience. Went there, and you get to pick out the fabric, and you get to pick out the liner, and, and the buttons, and you know, it was kind of a cool experience. So unfortunately, I had this suit made uh, coming off of COVID when I was about two, 220 pounds. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to, uh, you know, I knew I'd lost, I know I've lost, I've lost about 40 pounds or so. I, I knew that, I'm like, you know, what's the chance of that suit still fitting me? Well, I put it on the other night and it was, I, I'll bet, I'm wearing a 32 pant now and I think it's a 36. It's, it's like two, two sizes too big. So um, Mrs. W and I are going in uh, to the tailor and he's going to, He's going to cut it down and um, refit it, retailer it to me so it actually fits uh, so that we can go to this wedding we've been invited to. So that's our plan. So that's why I was putting up the, uh, well, the fun videos on how we slide in Portland. Okay, are we, are we good here? You going to give us any trouble? All right. Let's put things away. Got some firewood brought in. The fire is going to be burning a little bit lower today because it's not as dry. It's been outside got a little bit more moisture content in it, about 20% moisture, give or take. And so you can see it's not going to be quite as efficient as it was before. All right, shall we get started? Oh, also one last thing before we get started. So today we'll be ending the stream a little bit early. I got I to gotta bounce out of here a little bit early because we have an appointment down there. So we're going to have to run about an hour, maybe just a little bit more. We'll see how it goes. So I, I do apologize for that, but we'll have to run it a little bit short. All right, let's jump in here. Let's get started. We have Morris Junction. A new member? Two members? I don't know what that is. Brian M. We have a super chat from Brian M. Shout out to you, Brian. Brian's been with us for a year. A $20 super chat. Thank you for your generosity. Brian says, happy little Friday from Sunday, sunny California. You used to have a large Coleman 1A funnel from your grandfather that you kept in a tall, thin can. Whatever happened to that? Man, I'll tell you, man, I, don't, I have no idea. I cannot figure it out for the life of me. And, and you're right. I still have the can. It's actually right back there. There's a false wall I built right here where I keep all of my oils and, and lubes. And I still have that. And when we moved over here, I, I was actually going to pull that out. It was like a year ago. I pulled it out, and it wasn't in there. And I don't know why it's not in there. So I think it's still around here somewhere. And I don't know why it didn't get put back in there. But a lot of things happened when we moved. The, the, the house sold quickly. And we had, had, we had so much stuff and all the shops and everything full of stuff that we basically just piled everything into trailers and just started hauling stuff over. And it's still in the connex. Now, we're going to get rid of those connexes this spring because the new shop is built and we're going to start going through all that stuff. There's stuff I haven't seen for almost two years that I, I don't even know what I have in there because it's all been just boxed up and we've had no place to put it. So the snow, there's too much snow on the ground right now to deal with it. So that's our plan. As soon as the, the ground gets a little bit harder, and that snow melts, we're going to start pulling that stuff out of there. And we're going to be getting rid of stuff. We're going to have the mother of all garage sales. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we, we are certainly going to have that. Mrs. W and I were talking this morning about the new house that we're, we're hoping to build, Lord, Lord willing, and about the importance of having um, an environment that is calming um, and free of clutter. The clutter and the, and the, and the excess stuff is, is a curse upon, is a curse. It's absolutely a curse. I thought that happiness came from having a bunch of toys and stuff, but it does not. True happiness and peace and contentment comes from having a peaceful home and a peaceful 
just just a simple this your life as simple as possible people are commenting I've, I've done some short videos sometimes I shoot short videos in my, in my closet and people comment oh that you have all that space and you have very few things yeah that's that's the way that I like it because that starts to sets the tone for your entire day I used to throw all my clothes on the ground uh, by the bed um, Mrs. W was just get exasperated with me she got to the point where finally she just started putting hooks like just lining the closet with hooks so at least I would just hang stuff up hanging stuff I don't do that anymore when I take something off now I'm very deliberate about it I'm trying to live more in the moment when I take a hoodie off I don't throw it on the ground I don't hang it on a hook I stop what I'm doing I take I, I undress in the closet and I fold it and I put it where, where it goes when, the, when the, the laundry comes in, Mrs. W washes the laundry, but I put my own laundry and, and stuff away because, well, I have a particular way of doing things, right? And I'm pretty anal about that. So she likes to just put stuff in drawers, but I don't do that. I like everything organized and neat. And just when you go in and you get your day started, you have your cold shower, you do your Wim Hof breathing method, you do your exercises, and you're just feeling great, it's a real joy uh, to pull a, a nice, clean, folded, pair of jeans or, or sweater off of the closet, out of the closet or off the shelf. Um, everything's pressed, everything's neat and nice and it's not stuff on the floor. It's, it's really, really delightful. And having a simple wardrobe is very nice as well. You don't have to be thinking, oh, what am I, am I going to wear this? You know, just, just have a few things that go together. You know what you're going to wear. Just one less thing to think about. But as we're moving into Moving in, once, you know, we start moving into the new house, both of us are the same opinion. You know, there's not going to be a lot of things that we're, we bring into the house. We're going to make a lot of hard decisions. There's no reason just to have clutter and just stuff sitting all over the place. Whenever you want to do something, if you have a, like a lot of shops are that way. And I've, I've had my shops that way before, too. I understand it. And it sets the tone. Let's say you, you're in a good mood. And you want to, you think, man, I need to go out there and change the oil on the truck, right? And you're thinking it's on a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever. And you're like, yeah, that'd be nice. I'll go out there and take my laptop out there and listen to some Wrangler Star videos while I'm doing it, doing it. And then you come out there and you just got garbage everywhere. And as soon as you walk into that environment and you see it, it's just depressing. You're like, oh, you don't know where your tools are. You don't know where your filter wrenches are. And then you, you go, I thought I had some oil around here just to find that you're one quart low. And now you're jumping in the truck and you're aggravated. You got to run down to Napa. You know, it, it just, it, it just, that's how it works. It just, it sets the tone for your, the entire day. Now, there's a, even a biblical principle, I think. This may be a bit of a stretch, but a bi biblical principle for uh, being uh, neat and orderly. And don't give me the nonsense that cleanliness is next to godliness. That is not in the good book. That's something someone said. It's not, that's not in the book. But the example that I would give you is that when, the, when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, now they were, they were in slavery. They were in bondage to the Egyptians there for 400 years. Multiple, multiple generations that were even born in captivity. And you can imagine as a slave class or in bondage like that, there probably wasn't a lot of emphasis put on um, education, right? Why would you want, as the Egyptians, why would you want to educate um, a people that was, that was a slave class for you, that was a working class for you? No, you want to keep them dumbed down. You would want to put fluoride in their water and that sort of thing and make sure that their food wasn't healthy and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Give them de de degenerate media and programs to watch that go against everything that God teaches and family values. That's the sort of thing that you would do to a slave class, right? 
So when he led them out, basically, I think the majority of them, if I had to assume, were the aptitude of, of, of a child, uneducated or ignorant. Maybe not a child, but certainly, certainly ignorant. So they had a lot to learn. They had a lot to learn when this massive horde of people is being led out into the desert and God gave Moses very specific instructions on how the camps were to be set up and, and how the sacrifice was to be set up and, and how the collecting of firewood and, and how, how the, the judging of problems and difficulties was they were basically setting up a government. But the thing that really sticks out to me is that when God gave them instructions to set up their camp, he didn't just have everyone set up camp willy-nilly all over the place and some tents over here and some tents over here and chaos and all that. No, everything was done neatly according to rank and file. You can go, if you want to look at pictures, of course there's no photographs from that day, obviously, but there's, been, there's a lot of artist renditions taken from the scriptures where you can see the layout of the camp. You can see how the tabernacle was laid out and the holy and the holy of the holies and how the Ark of the Covenant and all those things and the ladles. And it was very, very interesting. But the thing that you'll notice that I noticed was that everything was laid out very neatly in square grids, rank and file. You know, there's a reason for that. You know, it, 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 God likes order and he instructed the, the, his people to do that in that, in that time. And I think that's, that's important for us to be that way. To have it to be neat and orderly, it sets your mind at, at peace, and it's just—it's the way to do things. It's just definitely the way to do things. We have a super chat. Well, we have a new member, Machine Guy. Welcome, welcome. Good to have you here. I recorded just for you members. I have a special video that I'm going to drop for you guys this afternoon um, that you'll enjoy. Uh, members only. I just put it it's in the can, and I'll upload it uh, on our way to Portland. So that'll be there for you. So shout out to you and welcome. Thanks for joining us. We have a super chat from Trent Gonzalez. Trent, welcome. Shout out to you. And Trent says, what's your thoughts on the Pentecostal church? Men's facial hair, the clothing standards for men and women, and so on. Yeah, that's a very good question, an interesting question. Is it important for men, for, for, are, are, are there, should we have clothing standards? Should, should men wear particular things? Should Christian men or men of the way wear something to the, distinguish themselves from the world? Man, that is a hot topic, and I don't know that I'm the expert on that. You know, we can see back in the day, so if we go back to the 66, we're always safe if we go back to God's Word, not man's opinion. There were dress codes and standards for the Hebrews back in the day of Christ in that there were, of course, there was a particular garment that was set aside that, that the priest class, the, you know, the tribe of Benjamin would have wore, that would distinguish them from the rest of the people for various reasons. But also the Hebrews themselves wore um, a, a, a garment with a, maybe you've seen some of our Jewish friends these days, will wear a blue tassel. Uh, on the hem of their garment. Now, this was instructed, this was, I believe, in the Law of Moses, and this was to, to distinguish um, the people from the surroundings. Um, I'm just, you know, kind of thinking, working this out here as I'm thinking about it. Does that apply today? Also, there were uh, regulations for the cutting of hair. There were particular vows. What was the name of the vow? that uh, Samson had took, and I believe Jesus as well, where they were not to cut their hair. 
you know, and there was, I, I, I forget the, the name of it. So there are different examples of this. Now, my concern with this, I don't have a problem with that. If you as a believer, and I have some, I have some folks that, that I'm, I'm acquainted with that are people of the way, that are devout people of God, and they have adopted this blue fringe. They wear this on, they have it on hooks, and they actually sent me a couple of them. And uh, because they're reading that from the Old Testament, and they've adopted that habit. And I don't see any harm in that whatsoever. I, I think it's, it's kind of charming. And if you were a fellow follower of the way, and you understood this, and you saw another guy in the street, and he was wearing the blue ribbon on, on his belt loop, you, you would have to assume one of two things. Either he's, he, he's, he's, of the, uh, he's a Jewish or he's, of a, he's a, a follower of the way that is adopting some of those traditions. And maybe there'd be a, a benefit to that. You know, I, I, I would never fault a guy for doing that. Also, you see, folks, um, a lot of the more conservative, our conservative brethren, like our Mennonites uh, and our Amish, they have a very distinct, almost a, a, a uniform or costume, for lack of a better word, that distinguishes them. And of course, the facial hair is part of that. And the, the um, um, women typically wear hats or, or, or dresses. You know, we've all seen that. It, very, it, it definitely distinguishes them. Also, I think there's a pretty, we're pretty safe on biblical grounds of the importance that men should dress like men and women should dress like women. I think that there, there should be a distinction drawn. And the blurring of lines, like we see in today's society, is basically an fu uh, to the teachings of the, of the Bible. It, it is saying, no, we know better. We're going to blur those lines. There is no difference. So there is that. So that's imp- I think that's important. As far as what other people do in, in asking my opinion of what the Pentecostals and other men and facial hair, you know, that's just not for me to judge whatsoever. And I wouldn't judge them. If a man, if you come to the realization you think that it's a biblical principle, that it's important that you maintain your facial hair, that you um, don't pray with a head covering, or your wife, that she should always pray with a head covering, you know, there, there, is, there are folks that read this literally and they adopt this. You know, I would not fault anyone for doing that, trying to do what they know, what they do, what they, what they think is best and what would please God. Now, the problem with that and what happened to the Pharisees is that you can take it to an extreme where you can try to make yourself look so ridiculous, not so ridiculous, but so different and, and try to draw attention to yourself in your costume or your funny hat or your prairie dresses in 2023. You can get to the point where it just becomes ridiculous, where you're not really, I don't know that you're doing this out of love other than you're just doing this to, to be, to virtue signal or to put off the impression that you're better, or more righteous, or more holy than other women who don't do that. You know, I mean, it's really a slippery slope, it, and it's, uh, it's just not an easy thing to answer, or not anything for anyone to say. Um, us, me, per, I'll just tell you where I stand on it personally. And, and I don't, and I, again, what's happening right now after post-COVID, and I think a lot of you will agree, is that God is opening up a lot of things, um, is bringing a lot of new insights and information and, and, and understandings that we have not maybe had in the past. Things that were maybe not so important in the past are starting to take on a new meaning. 
So you'll, if you're plugged in at all, you'll, start re, you'll realize very quickly that a lot of followers of the way, traditional Christians, are looking back and starting to adopt even some of the feasts and the celebrations from the Old Testament. Well, that's very contentious right now. There's a, there's a lot of folks, um, Messianic Christians and such, that, that are keeping these feasts, and they're making the argument, and they have a very valid point that, you know, that I'm kind of researching and looking into myself. I'm on the fence on this. I don't really know which side to go with it, but I just want you to be aware of it. And it very well may be, you know, I may come to the conclusion or the understanding, and you as well, that, you know what, we have been missing, we, have, we should have been keeping these feasts all along. You know, the Pentecost, the unleavened bread, you know, all the day of all of these things that the Jews have been keeping. On the other side, there are a lot of folks or Christians or followers of the way that say, no, you know, what you're trying to do is you're trying to put new wine into old wineskins. You know, Christ came and said that I fulfilled all of these things. And they have a valid point as well, because these things, all of these blood sacrifices and the animal sacrifices and stuff, all of that what was pointing to the coming of the Christ. They, it was God providing a way to, for people to be relieved of their burden of sin that lived in a time before the Messiah, before Christ. You know, God made a provision for them. But those were all basically types of Christ or anti-types of Christ that pointed to Him. So the argument is made is that now that He has come and fulfilled this and fulfilled the law, they're saying we're no longer bound by these festivals and feasts and such. And, and there's that argument as well, right? But then, let's look at the, at the early church. What happened? What did Paul and Peter and John and all of the apostles, what did they do after Christ had been crucified and was three days in the tomb and was resurrected again? We have a very long written record of, of, of the early church and how it conducted itself through the book of Acts and all the letters uh, to the churches and, and everything that Paul wrote there. And we see there that they still maintained those traditions and they still went and participated in those, in those feasts and still did their, made their pilgrimages back to Jerusalem. Is that an example for us? I don't know. Is it an example for us? Or is it just what they did? Because that's where the people were that they were going to teach. That's where they would have large audiences where they could learn about the Messiah that they didn't realize that had come. You know, so I don't know about these things for, for sure, but I want to make sure what I told you guys when we first started this live stream, these dogmas that we've had, these, these traditions that we've held to, that we've been grown up with, that has been handed down by grandparents and great-grandparents, that we've just done because we've always done them, or believed them because we've always believed them. We need to re-take a look at those things and not just be lazy. And what the analogy that I think that we need to take, or the, the, the position, is we need to sit on the fence right now. Now that the time is changing and God is separating His people, He's calling His people out of the world, He's going to give new revelations. He's going to give new insights. But if we're so closed off because of old ways and old traditions, then we will miss what could be a potentially um, a critical thing or, or a change or revision of our understanding or revision of our doctrines. So I wouldn't rule anything out. Is it a sin? Is it an offense to God for, for men to shave their faces? Maybe. You know, maybe. You know, God made us, He wants to see a distinction. 
and the shaving of the face. You know, people make the argument that that is making you less masculine, that that is, um, or, or the appearance of, that is making you closer, to look closer to a woman who does not naturally have uh, a beard. Clothing. You know, I mean, it, there's a lot to this. This is, this is a very slippery slope and, and something that's very confusing, confusion, confusing and something that Christendom is very, very um, at loggerheads on a lot of people. So the way I'm looking at this is I'm, I'm definitely starting to default more to the conservative side. I could see the importance and the argument of keeping the feasts, of keeping those days. Uh, and I don't know that there would be a downside to it, to be honest with you. If you were not making that your, your Messiah and making that, putting that ahead of the sacrifice that was made by, by, by the Christ, then, you know, I'm, I'm just speaking off the top of my head here, but I just, I just don't see any harm of it. And, and, and if, if to have something that reminds you, that's biblical, that reminds you uh, of what God has done for his people and for people throughout eternity, and what is going to do, um, man, was there any harm in that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, um, I, I, I pray about this. I'll be praying more about this and, and trying to get clarity on this. So there's a lot of people that have already already convinced that are further along on this than I am. But I need to be convinced. I can't just do it because someone else is doing it. But it wouldn't surprise me if we need to get maybe start getting back to some of those traditions a little bit more. Regarding dress, though, me personally and Mrs. W, we think it very important to have a very dis a strong distinction between uh, men and women. I, you will not see Mrs. W out in pants. Now, there's a lot of people on the internet that's, that have speculated and are fond of saying that I will not allow my wife to go out dressed in pants or looking like a man. That's not the case. If you were to ask Mrs. W why she, you'll only see her in dresses and skirts and feminine clothing is because she will answer this way. I do it because it pleases my husband. Because he likes the way that I look. He likes, the way, he likes when I look feminine um, and beautiful. It pleases him. He enjoys it. And I want to please my husband. I want to do what, um, what, what he likes. Now, does that mean that she's never going to wear pants? No, of course not. You know, when, when she's doing things, fitness things, running, or we're going to go on a, a, a hike or something, or uh, working out in the garden, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's appropriate for her to wear jeans, and she'll do that. But she won't do it out in public, um, and she'll never do it with me. So that's something that, that is just our personal thing that we've chosen to do. And, and I haven't asked her to do it, but I've always told her, you know, that wasn't the way when we first got married, but I've always told her, I, I, I always comment, I'm like, you look so pretty in that dress. Um, you look so pretty in that skirt. And I make sure that she has the opportunity to, to get those things. And she enjoys it as well. So, you know, that, that's kind of the way, way we work it. And, that's, and, and I do the same thing. If, if I have something, she, like she doesn't like me in, to wear anything brown. She doesn't, like, she doesn't think I look good in the color brown. It, it really bothers her. Well, I had a whole bunch of brown stuff you know, when we first met. And am I going to just, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to wear it anyway, even though you don't like it. No, of course not. You got rid of it. Throw it away. Get rid of it. And uh, I wear the things that she likes. So wear clothing that she likes. So, you know, that they're practical within reason, right? But I, we try to help. We try to please one another. And uh, the interesting thing that more conversations have been started 
uh, with Mrs. W. We actually call it, which, her wearing skirts and dresses, we call it her, uh, her, her um, dress or skirt ministry. Because people notice, you know, she's very involved with, um, with the community. She sits on the, on the board that does this, and she's involved over here, and she's working with the school, and she's uh, all up in, you know, with the debate and judging, and, and you know, she's, she's everywhere. You know, she's one of those people that does everything all the time. And she has a really great disposition, a very sunny and happy personality that is, it attracts people, especially women. What happens every single time she goes out or gets involved with one of these things, they'll come, multiple women will come to her privately and ask, you know, I notice you only wear skirts. You only wear dresses. I've never seen you in pants. You know, you always look so pretty. You always look so feminine. You know, why is that? Is that a religious thing? Or, you know, they're asking about that, right? And she says, I wear these things because my husband likes to see me. It pleases my husband. You know, and they're shocked by this, especially when she's with, with you know, leftist feminist women. You know, they're just appalled by this. But what I notice is if they continue to stay around, they start wearing dresses and skirts and such. You know? And it's a, it, you know, it, it's a very powerful ministry. You know, that, that is the way that she, she has the ability to influence and, and preach and spread the gospel without ever saying a word about it or ever thumping Bibles or, or anything like that, right? She preaches it by her example, uh, by the way she conducts herself, her poise, um, the way she keeps herself, and the way that she always has good things to say about me. Another thing that we do, I, don't, you know, I know you're not asking, I'll tell you anyway, because we have a good marriage. We've been married almost 20 years and we don't fight. Uh, we, we get along. We're not, it's not perfect. You know, we've, we've had some arguments before, but never anything nasty or, or anything terrible. We always have a policy. If we don't agree on something, we'll stay up until it's put to, put to bed. We will not, until it's put to rest. We will not go to bed um, angry or at, at opposite, having a problem with each other. And the other thing that we always do that we've made a, a covenant with one another, a, a, a vow, is we'll never, ever have a negative thing to say about each other out in public, never ever. And it's, um, that's not the case with most women. And I, I, don't, I don't spend time with women. I'm not interested in being around women. The only woman I'm going to want to be around is my, my, my wife or my daughter, my immediate family. I, I don't, I'm not interested in being around other women. I, I, what, am I, what do I have to talk to about women, right? Women should be with women. Men should be with men. This idea that men and women can be friends and together, I don't think so. The only people that say that, not all, but for the most part, are simps that hang around women, pretending that they're friends, hoping that they could pick up some scraps, hoping that they could be there to move in on there. If you're a woman watching this and you think that I'm wrong, if you think that all of your, if you're single, you think that all of your male friends that you have that are so close and coworkers that you stay in touch with and go and do things with, if you think that I'm not right about this, call them up and ask them if they would be interested in, in going out on a date and see what they say. You'll have your answer. They're hanging out for a reason. If they didn't think they had access, they wouldn't be hanging around because we don't have anything in common if you're a masculine man. I mean, the things that I do and I'm interested in and my passions and desires, that has, I, I, don't, I don't have any conversation, anything to talk about with, with, with any women. We just have very different, different interests. But it's important not to run one another down. She comes back after you know, meeting with um, 
you know, different groups and, or, you know, friend, friend groups and stuff that she has. And she's just appalled that the whole evening was spent of these women sitting around bitching about how terrible their husbands were or how inadequate their husbands were. Now, this is typically the, non -follow, the non-Christian group. She has, you know, lots of friend groups that she's met with for years and years. And she's just appalled by this. Um, this is very, very destructive and something that should never be done outside the marriage. And I do the same thing. If you ask me uh, anything about my wife, um, it would be the only thing that would come out of my mouth would be uh, praise and things um, that, would, um, that would glorify and honor her. And she does the same way. And that's the way it, that's the way it should be. That's a long answer for that clothing. I guess to, to, to sum it up, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the Pentecost, but I do think that there should be a, a separation between the masculine and the feminine. Whatever that, whatever that God leads you to do, to do that. But you could do worse as a woman than going out looking feminine and, and pretty in skirts and dresses. Uh, it's not, um, it's, it's, the, what, it's what most men would prefer, to be honest with you. We have a super chat from Kent Martin. Kitty, how old is she? Mama, how old are you? Come here. Are you just getting all settled in? Yes, she's just getting settled in, and now I'm going to disturb her. Okay. Mama, the best we can tell is probably about 18. Uh, when Jack was just a baby, someone abandoned her at our uh, house we used to have, and she came up hungry and skinny and covered in fleas. The people that treat animals like that, there will be a special place in hell for them. We have an obligation to these animals. God will judge us how we take care of and treat our animals. I just can't imagine doing something like that. But she, she, was, uh, she showed up starving, came up to the house. I took her into the shop. I had a, I had a house uh, and the shop was 100 feet away or so and I worked in the shop. Mrs. W was raising uh, Jack at home. Brought her into the shop, got her some food, and I put her little box right by my, uh, my computer where I worked, and uh, she became the barn cat. Well, it wasn't long, a few, few uh, weeks later, she disappeared, and uh, I heard something, I had a, a mezzanine where I kept parts and different things upstairs. She'd had, uh, had a litter of kittens, three kittens up there. She, she was pregnant. <laughs> so, so we had three, so now we had four cats, right? So we had her fixed, and... Um, Found, rehomed, uh, homed the kittens, and she's been with me ever since. This is her uh, one, two, was it fourth, fourth, I think fourth shop that she's been in. And uh, the closest I could tell is she's probably about 18 or so. She, she's a good, she's a brown tabby, and she's definitely not a tame lion. She likes the show, though. She comes, jumps up here right before the camera turns on. I don't know how she knows, but she, she's a good one. I never liked cats. I always thought that a man that liked cats was a feminine man, but I was ignorant. I was foolish. That was foolish. Cats are, are, are great companions. When she's gone, I'll, I'll replace her. Definitely replace her. We have a super chat. Thank you for that. Good, good question, Kent. We have a super chat from A. Hartman, 89. Shout out to you. And A. Hartman says, It makes a lot of sense what you are doing with your current home and new home in the works. Uh, any update on the commercial property down the road? No, we don't have any. Well, not yet. So what we were going to, so what he's talking about, let me give you a big picture here. So when we moved into the valley, 
we bought this home. It was bigger than we wanted, but it was the only thing available. Uh, there's just, there isn't any real estate here. So you, you got to kind of move on what happened and it just ha worked out that we got it. So we thought, okay, well, we'll live here. And then we bought um, a commercial piece of property up the road, not too far from here. And our plan was we were going to build a community center up there. What's a community center? What's this for? Well, what our plan is, is, is we'd like to have, have, um, you know, uh, ability to, to host different things, you know, and events and such. And so we needed a facility for that. Even though the house is probably big enough to handle that, it's important to us that we maintain a separation of our personal private residence or private home from whatever, you know, whatever we get involved with, with this community center. So that was the idea we would do that. Well, the, the more we lived in here, the more we dislike living in such a big house and trying to take care of it. It's, 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 you almost need a full-time staff just to take care of the thing. It's, it's, it's kind of silly. And our, we like to be together as a family. And Jack's, you know, we have to almost have an, you have to call him on the phone when you want to come down, come down for dinner and all. So we just don't, we're just not happy with the house. We don't want to live that way. We don't want to live in a small, like a 2,100, 22 square hundred, you know, just a normal house, right? Normal house. So once we realized that, we got to thinking about it, and we had also purchased uh, a piece of land right to the, to the east of this one that connected it. We share the property line that we, we thought it was for sale, and we're like, well, we, we'd like to buy that so that we didn't want someone to build a big house right there, you know, right there on our land. So we didn't really know what we were going to do with it. So we came up with the idea, well, how about instead of building a community center, since we've already got this big house and it's already here and everything's perfect and a big kitchen and it, I mean, it would just be ideal for what we want it to do. Why don't we just build ourselves a small house and we'll move in that and then we'll make this thing the community center. So that's what we're moving, what we're moving forward on, right? So we'll, we'll see. Um, so with the, as far as the commercial place, I haven't done anything. I put a road in last year. Uh, we got the water, I got the water brought in water meter um, and cleared uh, a bunch of the trees out and opened it up to kind of see what we have and we thought you know we have we had some interest in maybe some folks that were interested in, in um, doing uh, putting a small like a, a summer food carts a couple different food carts like a taco truck and different thing and it is zoned commercial and there should be plenty of place to park there so we might do something like that so I don't know yet I don't know but uh, we're moving forward on the house plan in this area right right now so we, we kind of did a 180 on that but thank you a Hartman for that good question it's always important you know I always I always forget there's new folks here when we're saying these things and talking about all these plans and they're like well what are you talking about what's going on here so uh, I do have to reiterate that from time to time Jamie welcome back good to see you Jamie Jamie and new member welcome I have special content for the members today, I did a video on my personal, when I go to Portland, my, a detail, my Portland loadout. So that'll be load, loading up for you guys. And Jamie writes, at what point did you decide to have hired help? Uh, what went into that decision? Always good to hear from you. Uh, take care, Cody, take care. Um, I need help. So to run a channel of this size that puts out this much content, Usually, most content creators will have a staff of five or six. Um, editors, um, personal assistant, you know, all the, this is lots of stuff that goes on. Media people, all, all that sort of thing. Mrs. Debbie and I run this completely by, by ourselves, um, just without any help from anyone else. To do that, you have to have help. As I told you, the house is big, the grounds are big, the facility's big, we have multiple buildings. 
Um, we, we heat with wood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The big house is a lot to maintain, et cetera. So that's why we are, my manservant, Jariah, who I'm so fond of, uh, he's a good man. He, he's been with us for a long time. He worked for us at the old place, and it just helps out uh, four days a week. He works from Monday through, fr Monday through Thursday, uh, and whatever needs doing. You know, he's always doing stuff around there. He works for Mrs. W., um, probably more than, than me uh, anymore, but he helps with the firewood, you know, and we work together a lot too. If we're going to go do something, you know, we will do it together, Jariah, Jack, and I. Um, he, he helps uh, run errands. Um, he'll go and, and go to Costco. You know, Mrs. W., not only does she run um, the back end of the channel, but she also homeschools two children full-time and is involved in uh, competitive debate, judging, uh, also is helping with the local uh, community uh, and sitting on, you know, or helping with boards and, you know, di different things. So she's got a lot of things going on as well. She's really, really busy. So it just helps with all of those things, those, those, that busy work, running errands, going to Costco for groceries, uh, changing oil on trucks, um, helping with the firewood, you know, just, just all of them, fixing things, you know, things breaking all the time. I have a lot of machinery and equipment around here. So it's just impossible. It, it would be impossible. It would run me ragged to death. I did it for a long time by myself, but it's to the point now that it's just too much work. Um, used to be able to do running a YouTube channel was a little bit easier. You could just do regular videos, but now you've got a live stream and you have to do short content and you have to do long form content, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and all the things that go on the back end. So that's kind of why. So Jariah comes in and he doesn't have any real particular job. It's just whatever we need help with um, is what he does. And he's just indispensable to us. He's um, was a, a gift from God for sure. Plows snow. You know, you, you know all those things. Him and I do a lot of the same things. Um, but he, he's even, you know, um, just perfect example. You know, it's just so helpful around here. I took my snow bike trailer uh, out of town, well, I guess it was last month or so. And somehow, you know, on the trailer jack, the, the jack that lifts the tongue up, they've got a, you know, they come down and they've got a little shoe that sits on there. And it's uh, kind of a skitter deal. Well, Perfect example of what a good man Jariah is. I was, uh, I got back and I realized that that was missing. I don't know if it had fallen off or I, I don't know. I don't remember hitting anything, but it was gone. And I just thought to myself, it's just another one of those things, just the myriad things that come up that need to be addressed, that take your time, you know, to go research it. What's the jack? You know, what's the diameter? How do I find the right one? And all that. I had looked at that a couple days ago and thought, my made a mental note, ah, I've got to order that, you know, just one more thing on my mind. Well, I walk into the house the next, you know, yesterday, and Jariah has his own workspace, and he's got a computer right there, and right up on the screen, he had seen it as well. You know, he'd seen that and had ordered it, done the research, found out what it was, and it was ordered and was on his way. You know, that sort of thing I cannot put a price on. It's so valuable to me uh, to have someone that's just helping, looking around. You know, he helps bring the firewood in. He starts when he comes in, he starts the fire for me in the morning so I can work on editing. And it's just a lot of different things like that that are, that are just necessary. But even with that, you know, we still put 12 hours a day in, Mrs. W and I both, when everything's said and done, if not more. We have a super chat from MK. Welcome, MK. MK writes, why do you eat, not eat pork? And so, if Jesus declared all clean food in Mark 7, 14... Uh, God bless you. So, if you're talking, I you know I'm going off of memory here. 
someone tell me one of the, if one, one of the middlemen throw in the chat. Are we talking about Peter's vision? Is that is that Mark seven fourteen? Look up Mark seven fourteen, and just put seven fourteen down and Peter's vision if that's what we're talking about. Because I think that's what he's talking about, and that's always the argument as to why it's okay to eat unclean food: cats, salamanders, shellfish, pork. That's always it. Um, here, here's the, here's the. I'll, I'll tell you. If you read on a little bit, so the story he's re- referencing is that Peter. This is to put it into the, into time and place. This is after Jesus was crucified, three three days in the tomb, and resurrected. And now we have the apostles uh, with the commission to go out and to spread the gospel. Right. So at that time. They were only preaching to, to the Jews. You know, the, the Jews were very racist in, the, in those days. You know, they, like, they, they wouldn't even eat with or touch a Samaritan or a Roman. I mean, it was, they, they, they kept themselves very separate. And the, even after that, the idea of the early church, the idea of, of teaching them about their, their religion would have, was laughable. You know, they wouldn't even have considered it, right? So the story about Peter's vision. So this is, Peter's up on a rooftop and he's praying and, he, and, and God gives him a vision. And in this vision, is a, a sheet is lowered. And, and in the sheet is all full of unclean animals. Things that, were, that would violate the, the, the Levitical law from the Old Testament. All the instructions that God, yeah, Peter's vision, thank you. That's what I thought it was. That's what we're talking about. All of, this, all of these unclean things, all, everything that, that from the law of Moses that, would, that the Hebrews were taught, don't eat those things. They're not fit for human consumption. God has said that, the, that those are unclean. They're clean and unclean, and all of the regulations were laid out there. You know, the cloven hoof and chewing the cud, cud and all those things we're familiar with, right? So Peter's in vision, and this comes down, and, and all of these unclean animals in this thing, and the word of the Lord says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord, I'm not going to eat that, those filthy things, swine and pig and salamanders and snakes. I've, from, from the time I was born, I've never ever violated myself with unclean food, right? Comes down again, again, Peter, kill and eat. You know, he's just, and the sheet is taken away, and he's sitting there marveling. He just can't figure out what in the deal is going on. What is that about? Why would God tell me to, 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 kill, to eat something that he's commanded us for thousands of years to avoid and not to eat? Well, this is where the problem with folks that use this as a theology or try to, try, try to use this as a gotcha is they stop reading right there. Would we agree context is important? Context is very important, right? So let's read on. Let's read on. What happens if we read on to the next verse? Now we know, or we should know, that all of these divisions in the Bible, these chapter and verses, you know, that's not in the original text. It all was continuous. It was all seamless. This was added years later by, I forget the name of the guy that that originally did this, which is fine because it's very handy. It's a lot easier to give verse, chapter and verse if you were trying to look something up than rolling out a giant scroll, right? Can you imagine? So what happens next? Peter's wondering about this vision, about killing and eating unclean food. Someone's at the door. Who is it? Was well, it Cornelius? Who's Cornelius? Is he a Gentile? 
Yes, he's a Gentile. God moved upon this man and told him, I want you to go to this place. You're going to find Peter and he's going to teach you something. He's going to teach you about, he's going to tell you of the gospel. This was the very first time that God opened up the gospel to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And we have, if you read on, you'll see that happen. This was the first time. And what God told Peter when he said, you know, I don't, I'm not going to eat this. This is unclean. And God says, what I have made, what was unclean, I, I'm paraphrasing here, I have, what has been unclean, I have made clean. And the people who don't understand or trying to make the argument about eating, eating non-clean food will use this as an excuse to eat anything they want to. And that's not what was intended. What he's talking about is that what now is no longer unclean, unclean uh, is the Gentiles. This was the moment that, that God opened up the gospel to the Gentile nations, that they were now able to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. And who's knocking at the door? A Gentile and his family. Ready, they are sent from God to hear the gospel for the first time. Peter, for the very first time, is opening up the gospel to the Gentiles. This is what that vision is about. I mean, I, this is a, to, to, to look at it as, as a food, uh, as this vision being about food is, is, I mean, I don't mean to insult anyone, but this, is, this would be like, a, this is a very childlike understanding of the scriptures. You have to, you don't have, a, you don't have the big picture. You're not seeing what was going on. You need to read on and see what the context is. That's what it's about. God's never changed the Levitical laws. The, Levit the Levitical laws are not there as some arbitrary test of obedience. The Levitical laws, the food laws, are there because these things are not healthy for us to consume. Look into pork. Look at, look at is it trigger? Trig what's the, what's the, all the parasites and the, the nasty stuff inside of the pork? You know, these are not things. These are scavengers. Shellfish, crabs, lobsters, pigs, you know, things like that. They're not, they were never intended to be eaten. Snakes, horses, um, cats, lions. I mean, these things are, these are not, were never intended for food. That's why even on the ark, a lot of people think two by two, the animals, you know, do you know that the, on the clean animals, there were seven by seven? Cows, sheep, goat, you know, those sort of things, the cloven hoof, the split hoof that chews the cud. That's what this is about. This is always, it's always funny that people use this, this the Mark seven fourteen Peter's vision as an excuse why they can eat all of these, um, these unclean foods um, when it has nothing to do with that whatsoever. It was about the gospel being opened up to the Gentiles. But shout, but that's all right. Now you know. We have a new member, PorcuPie07. Welcome, welcome. Good to see you here. And Dr. Pepper, MD, member for two years. We have a super chat. He says, how sharp is your 940 today and the kitchen knives? Well, they're very sharp. Last night for the member stream, I better have it in my pocket. Oh, I did. <laughs> you caught me slacking. Why did I even reach for it? I got, out, I got out of my routine this morning. I shot some short content in my closet, and I pulled it out of my pocket for a reason, and now I don't have it. It's quite sharp. It's quite sharp. So last night we did a member stream where we broke out the, uh, the uh, 
Russian knife sharpener. And I did. I got Mrs. W's knife sharpened. She came down there and started cooking and I looked at her and I looked at the, all the mess and I thought, well, I got it all out. I better get it done. So while she cooked a very delicious supper, uh, we visited and I sharpened her knife. So it's ve they're very sharp. And I have to warn her because she gets used to them being dull. And I tell, be careful with these things. They are absolutely lethally sharp and keep the sweet loaf away from them. Thank you, Dr. Pepper. All right. Well, I, I thank you for the reminder. I am going to have to bounce here. We've got we've got a Mrs. W and I have an appointment in about two and a half hours. We have to go into into Portland. So keep us in your prayers. Keep us in your prayers. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys hanging out. I appreciate the super chats and all of your time. You pay for these things with your time. I've been so encouraged, been so encouraged from all of the private messages that I've been hearing. I'm also very encouraged and excited of how many of you folks are um, participating in the, um, in the cold showers. I cannot put into words, I cannot put into words, beloved, the, be the benefits of this. Just try it, try it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Go on to YouTube and look up Wim Hof. Look up the Wim Hof breathing method. Start watching videos, start watching testimonials, and you'll see people's lives are changed. It's changed my life in so many ways, but one of the most, one of the best is just, excuse me, the incredible energy and how you can get the day started with just motivation, a positive attitude. You feel like you can take on anything un unlimited energy, um, a tremendous appetite. I've said my sense of smell has increased. Like, you know, I enjoyed my breakfast as much as anyone, you know, coming in the morning that Mrs. W would make me. But, but you know, I, but now, like you come in and every, the food tastes better. Um, the juice tastes better. The water tastes better. My outlook, I just come out of, from coming out of that, I had a five-minute cold shower this morning. Really good session of, of stretching and kind of getting my body moving and doing the breath work, um, the meditating, you know, just 10, 15 minutes of just being able to isolate yourself from all of the cares and worries of the world, be able to, re to connect without all of the, everything trying to get your attention to your, to, your, to your God, have a good conversation. Man, it just starts the day off so positively. I'm able to jump in and, and get my work get a bunch of work done. I've got tons of energy and motivation to do the live stream. I'm, I'm just going, going, going. Mrs. W is the same way. She's like, man, I just feel like my old self again. COVID took a lot of out of us. We uh, just, just ate bad food, sat around, felt depressed, felt worried, anxious, filled, full of fear, you know, hopelessness, black pilled, you know, just like a lot of you guys, it was, it was terrible. It's dreadful. And this just couldn't have come at a better time. It has changed my outlook. It's, it's helped me reconnect with God. Um, it makes me feel 20, 25 years younger. It can do a lot of these things for you guys as well. And it doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to buy anything. There's no one grifting here. There's, there's, there's no gym you need to go and deal with those horrible people. You can do it at home. Actually, you'll save money. You'll be heating less water. But I cannot encourage you enough to do it. There's there's a whole bunch of Proho doing it here right now with us. Throw sevens in the chat if you're with me. Look down there and see. Throw sevens in the chat if, you're, if you are shoulder to shoulder with me 
in the Wim Hof breathing method and doing these cold showers and that you've received benefits because it's, it, it is, it's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm so, I, I'm such a advocate for this. I tell everyone, I'm always talking about it, that my, my inner circle, they're all doing it as well. My family's doing it. Uh, my, some of my neighbors are doing it. I've got friends that are calling me, telling me that they're doing it, receiving benefits. I've been hearing benefits of, I heard just two days ago that one of our fellow pro hoes gave up coffee, a lifelong addiction that he just absolutely loves, cold turkey. He decided to do his cold shower before the coffee. He's got so much energy, so much gumption and drive that he did, he's, he's admonishing me. He's like, bro, just try it. Just try it. it. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Oh, goodness, we got some super chats. I didn't see. I didn't scroll down here far enough. We have time. I've, I've got a few more minutes. Mrs. W always builds in a buffer with me. <laughs> she, she always has to build in a buffer because she'll say, we need to leave at 1.30. What that means is that we need to leave at 2 or sometimes 2.30. But she knows that I will, you know, start packing at the last moment, and there always, you know, always be some issue where I forgot to fill up the truck with gas or something. So we're, we're never, she, we're, it's really important to her and to me as well that we're not late for things. That's a that's a sign. You want to make sure that you don't late. When you're late for things, it bothers me to to no end. If we throw, a, I'll tell you what. If we throw a dinner party and we throw a lot of, we entertain a lot at our house. If we throw a dinner party. And we say dinner is going to be uh, served at five o'clock. The door will be open at four. You know, if people want to come in. You know, don't, everyone doesn't have to show up at the exact same time. You know, leave leave a little bit of leeway there. But if we say dinner's at five and someone shows up late, half hour, fifteen minutes, uh, they will not be invited back again. That's very very disrespectful. You go to the trouble of. I mean, and it's not a small thing to entertain for a dozen people. If you, especially if you're serving nice food, if you're buying nice steaks and, and drinks and desserts and things for the kids and, and, you know, full salads and all of that, which, you know, we do and we're happy to do it. We, we, we enjoy doing that. It's so disrespectful to show up late for something like that. What it tells me and what it tells everyone is that um, my, my time is more important than your time. Therefore, I'm going to waltz in here anytime I want. That, I take a very dim view on that, and I would, um, uh, if you do that to me or do that to us, you will not be invited back. Um, it's terrible, 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 very disrespectful. We have a super chat from Trent Gonzalez. Shout out to you, Trent. And Trent writes, would you do an axe review if I send you an axe my grandfather made? It's a very neat axe. He made a, do he made a dozen of them, and I would love to send you one. I guess I need to know more about it before I'm willing to commit. I, I'm not going to say no. Trent, email me, Cody at WranglerStar.com. Send me a picture. Give me a little bit of the backstory of it, and I will make a determination. Um, but without seeing it and knowing the story on that, um, I'll, I'll have to I'll sit on the fence on that. But I won't rule it out. Uh, if, it's, if it's of interest, something that's unique with a good story, that's something we might be able to do. But uh, send me an email, and we'll, we'll see. I might be able to do that. Uh, MacBook Pro with M1 processor. Um, I'm using the software that I use as Ecamm, which is uh, uh, designed to use with Mac, and it's, it syncs up. It works really, really good with Mac. I used um, some of those other ones, Streamlabs and stuff, and they worked all right, but they were really 
complicated with a pretty steep learning curve. This just works if I, if I do my part. So Ecamm and then my web camera is a Canon EOS R5 with a 24 to 70 2.8 RF lens. And then what I, I run two cameras. I have a camera, I have, I have a, on top of the webcam that you're looking at, I have um, a cinema camera with the same lens, uh, a Canon C70 that records a high quality track of the live stream. Because what the live stream software is saving a copy of, of this here, but it's a very poor quality and the dynamic range is trash. It doesn't look good at all. It's really grainy. And you, if you try to blow it up at all, it just falls apart. So simultaneously, I'm recording a high quality 4K studio quality version on top of it. And if I clip it or pull shorts out of it, then I put those together in the timeline and I just clip out of the good one. So that's my setup. I have two lights. I have two Aperture 300D Mark IIs with China balls. One right here in front of me, uh, right on top of the camera, and then one right over here at about six feet high. Um, and that's basically it. My phone, I have the middlemen, feed me the, feed me the um, super chats, uh, and that's super, super helpful. Um, Luke and company came up with that, and that works really good. And then I have a MacBook Pro right here that runs, uh, that has the chat streaming through it. I can see, see what's going on, but that's it. I, I'm not saying that that's a good system. It's just the system that I have, but good question. I, I always like, I, I, I like that stuff. I'm into photography. I've always been in photography and I used to shoot weddings, still images, and I, I like the equipment and all of the gear. I, I kind of geek out on that. So um, if you want me to answer questions, uh, I usually put those up there. I usually answer them because I, I never get to talk about that stuff. I enjoy it a lot. We have a super chat from Mike. What do you think of the American population, of the American population is diminishing? It is diminishing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, it won't be long before, if the only reason why we're not, we haven't reached the point where we're losing ground is because of the open borders that our, um, our friends from the South are, are infilling uh, for the lack of, um, of um, births. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, blame, um, I blame feminism for all of this, of women delaying, putting off having families, uh, wanting to go and, and do their, putting their careers before uh, putting, uh, the careers being more important than putting, it's not just them, I and mean, we're, we're, all, we're all to blame for it, but that's, I mean, that's really the direct, direct result. So what do I think about it? I think that it's happening. It's happening in all of the Western world, in all of the, the uh, first world countries, um, where we get to the point beyond where we go below replacement. Um, so it's just the way it, that it is. Should be no surprise. And, you know, it seems to be that there's been a, um, an attempt to cull the population with current events, um, as I said at the beginning of this, you know, through different um, procedures and um, different... You know what? I have to be careful. I'm on slippery, slippery ground right here. But I can tell you the government is not your friend. Interesting that the German tanks are rolling into, into Russia again, isn't it? Do you, know your his, do you know your real history? Some people say that the Germans didn't lose World War II. Look into that. We have a super chat from Wade. Welcome, Wade. 
Nice, nice to have you here. Wade says, listening in from here on the docks of Charleston, South Carolina, good seeing an example of a simpler life is still possible in this world we live in. Yeah, well, I'm trying to get back to that simpler life, I, I assure you, Mr. Wade. Yeah, I, as I, I've alluded to in the past, I, I never had any money growing up. I was hand to mouth and was not, didn't ever come from money. And so when I achieved some YouTube success and money comes with that, all of my childhood dreams I fulfilled with toys and motorcycles and snow bikes and tools, <laughs> you know, because, you, you know, that's kind of the cycle. It's a lot of, it's a very common cycle for people who've never had anything and then come into something. And then you realize, oh, life is worse now. I got more troubles and more worries and, you know, I'm not any happier. Actually, you know, I'm worse off than I was before. I have less peace. I sleep less. And you realize that and then you you go to the extreme of the other end, which I'm, I'm attempting, I'm endeavoring to do now, where you start to live an austere life and you're discontent with fewer things. The motto of the future is, is less but better. A lot less things. I, I have four pair of pants instead of 40. Uh, four pair of pants, but they're good pants. High quality that will last me probably, you know, 20 years or so. And it just simplifies my life and that's where we're going. It will be, uh, hopefully it will look simpler. It will look simpler, but thank you. Thank you. Good to see you represent, or South Carolina being represented. You know, North Carolina is always fond of telling me that they're better than South Carolina. And I don't know which is the truth or not. Maybe you guys can, can give me some. And uh, is South Carolina, is that East Coast man? I'm thinking it's not. I'm thinking North Carolina is not East Coast man either. I hope not. Hope not for your sake. We have a super chat from John from Alaska. Shout out to you, John. Thank you for your generosity. John writes, Peter's vision in Acts 11, Mark 7, 18. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatever things from within entereth the mouth, and it cannot defile it? Well, yeah. Are we talking about food sacrifice to idols? Again, context is important, right? Food sacrifice to idols. There was a big problem back in the day. There were idol temples in uh, from Roman influence, a, a lot of them, in Jerusalem right there. And the people that would follow these false gods and Baals and, and such would bring sacrifices of food and offerings to these temples, right? Well, you know, it was a shame for those things to go to waste, right? They had been offered and, you know, why would we just let them rot? So there was an enterprise, there was quite a business from the, the priests and priestess of these temples where this food could be either given away or, or resold for profit or the upkeep of, of the temples, right? Well, this became a contentious point in the early church. Some people said, you know, it's wrong for us to be eating this food that's sacrificed to idols. And some people say, no, it's nothing because they're not true God. They're, they're not the true God and it is meaningless. It doesn't make any difference. And it became a big problem. And the early church had to address this. So this is what we're talking about. You know, we're not, we're not talking about this. We're so are you going to say that it's okay? So God says that I've, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I change not. I don't understand why you would think that you can take one text like this out of context and build an entire theology on top of it, completely changing all of the, the, the whole record we have in the 66 books. It's a one-legged stool. It's a wobbly one-legged stool, and it has no foundation whatsoever. I mean, it's, it's, it's silly, I, and I don't understand 
why you so why you dig your heels in on these things and why this is such a contentious point to you. What why that you need to make this a huge issue off of this one text that is completely you're taking out of context. Is it I mean, are you just I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. Of course it's unhealthy to eat pork. Just look at it from a secular point of view. Oh, but we've always done it. I like bacon. I don't care. It doesn't make any difference. You're going to try to convince me? I'm not a fool. I know the Bible. I've read it. I'm a man of the book. You're not going to try to come here and bring some out-of-context theology to me and try to convince me one way or another. I know. I know it from front to back. I know the 66. I know the, I know the Levitical laws, the food laws that were given for a reason. God created these things. He created matter. He created the animals. He created our diet. He created us. He knows that we have need of. So it's just foolishness. This is the understanding. I mean, I don't mean to disrespect you, but this is the understanding of a child to build an entire theology on these, on these texts that are taking out of context. I, just, I don't understand it. Why this is such a contentious point. It is just the hard-headedness and the stubbornness of the Christian people of the West. And God's, and God's church is just, it's staggering to me. Mrs. W. has told me, you know, I've always had this idea that someday you were going to, that I'd married a pastor. Someday you were going to be, and I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. I just, to have to deal again and again and again with these trivial matters that are so clear, if you open up your mind, if you look at it, if you look at it as a whole, you take the 66 as a whole, you understand the context, stop looking at the Bible as, as if it, from the perspective of a child, and you'll see it so clearly. And then you just want to come here and just continue the same old thing over and over and over again. And for what? For what? Good grief. It's maddening to me. I can't even, I can only, can you imagine what Moses had to deal with when he led these grumbling, stumbling, grumbling, stubborn people out of Egypt and had to deal with them for 40 years in the desert of their whining and complaining and grumbling and, and wanting to go back, etc., 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 when right there the miracles of God are taking place daily, their very food falls out of the sky, they don't even have to reap or sow. And still they're grumbling and complaining when everything, all of the truth and everything is so clear in front of them. Give me strength. Go ahead. Go eat all the pork you want. Go eat salamanders. Go eat horse. Go eat cat. Go eat whatever you want. I don't care. I don't, I, I don't care. God's people keep the Levitical law. And if you don't, haven't done it, it's just because you didn't understand, but now you understand. I did it as well. I grew up with it as well. Did you think I wanted to give up pork sandwiches and bacon and eat Christmas ham? Of course not. Good grief. It's a righteous indignation, brothers. Pray for me. We have a new member, probably an ex-member, and a new member. John, oh, see, I'm sorry, um, Nick Wolfer, and three-month member. I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm ranting here. He says, Cody, I'm completely new to Christianity. Can you lay out a very basic start-to-finish summary and basic belief? I began reading Mere Christianity. You know, I, 
I could, and I will. Um, can I do that right now when I have to get ready to go? I, I can't, but I do just come back, come back. And this is, this is a thread. This is the gospel and, and how God's plan for, for us and what our job and our work is to do from this day forward in the future and for the soon coming of Christ. I, I am convinced, of course, no man knows the time or the hour. And if anyone says that they do, they're a liar. No one, nobody knows, but, but we can see the sign of the times. And from my understanding, it seems to me that it's quite possible that, that the, the, the world, the, the second coming of Christ could happen in my lifetime. Now, I know people have been saying that for a long time, but, but I believe that to be true. So even if it's not, you know, we're to act every day like it's our last. That's the only safe way we can do it. So that's going to be the common thread of this. You know, the, dis the, the, the reason why I'm doing this, I don't want to do daily live streams. I don't want to be pinned down by having to be at one place the same time. It goes against the whole life I've built of having a life of independence, of freedom. This locks me down in a way that I've tried to avoid. But the reason why we're here is for this is to get this message out because it's not being put out. I'm so aggravated and so frustrated by the weakness and the ineffectiveness of the modern church. It's useless. These eunuchs that are pastors up on the pulpits that are spreading lies and, and nonsense and bad information and taking building theologies on top of, of sand just gets my goat. And when you see, you get to the point where you, you got to come out and say something about it. If no one else is going to do it, then I'll do it myself, damn it. So that's why we're here. And I don't want to be here, and I don't enjoy doing this half the time. But we're here to do it. We have a work to do. It's important. And who am I to argue against God? He wants me to do this. He wants this live stream. And this is going to be a real central figure of it. Not just, it's not completely that. We don't need to be it. Religion, we don't want religion. Nobody here wants religion. We want to be religious, but we want to, to walk with God. And, and you can't separate God and your values from, from your life if you're walking with Christ, if you're walking in the way. I don't care if you're working on your car. You're doing it through with godly principles. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You know, your, the golden rule is woven into your work, into everything. You can't disassociate them. Disassociate them. And people say, well, we don't like this religion. You know, we don't like this. We, we want to see axes, right? I'm not going to do, sep I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this over here and try to hide it and then do something over here. There is, I, I can't separate them. God is, is in me and he's in everything that I do. Everything my hand finds to do, I try to, I try to do it the best I can to bring honor to him. So this stream is going to be that. It's going to be the Christian walk, the Christian life. Maybe we'll be talking about axes, but we'll talk about whatever we want to, but we can't separate the two. So what I'm, what I'm telling, and I'm not yelling at you. I'm just frustrated from, from our, our one-legged theology friends, is that that will come through. Just be here, and if you can't be here, we're, the live streams are up on the channel. You can go back and, and re-watch them, and, and we, I will endeavor... To, to paint that big picture, um, but I, it's hard to do. You know, it's hard to, hard to lay out six, seven thousand, eight thousand years of history in um, at the end of a of a of a, of a live stream. Um, but um, but I will just stay, stick around, pick it up. Mere Christianity, the reading of Mere Christianity, is an excellent start. And and C.S. Lewis is going to be able to lay it out and in a very intelligent way, and that's it, it, respectful to a thinking man. 
in a way that um, like nothing else I've ever read. And once you finish Mere Christianity, go right into the screw tape letters. And I would also recommend you read The Pilgrim's Progress by Bunyan. Bunyan was the greatest influence of C.S. Lewis. And next to the Bible, The Pilgrim's Progress is considered one of the greatest works of literature, probably number two to the Bible of all time, written by an uneducated man while he was in prison, persecuted for the faith. How interesting how many books have been written by men while they've been in prison. John wrote the book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos, serving a 12-year sentence in prison. Fascinating. But welcome, Nick. Just be here. Hang out with us. We're all learning together. I don't know everything. Um, we're learning together. God's bringing revelation all the time. We may be do, doing 180s. We may be doing completely changing direction as new information comes to us. You know, Paul said at these, at these times, these end times, he alluded to it. He goes, you know, now we're trying to figure out all of these mysteries of God. And he likened it to we see through a glass dimly. Imagine looking through a spotting scope and it's got chapstick rubbed all over it, right? Yeah, I can see. I can see it's you know maybe some green. That might be a tree. Brown, maybe that's an animal. It's hard to say. We see through a glass dimly, but in the end times, this glass that we see through is God is, is snapping it into focus. So a lot of things that were kind of nebulous and hard to understand, hard to, to pin down. I think those revelations are starting to come. So that's why we want to not be dogmatic. Not be dogmatic about traditions and things we've always done because we may be wrong about that. I'm probably wrong about it. You think I've got it all figured out? I don't. We're, we're here seeking truth. And we're, we don't need to be going back to the old things that have already been figured out. I mean, to waste time on that is foolishness. Some things that we just understand, they're, they're not important anyway. You want to be healthy? Don't eat pork. Right? You want to be healthy? Don't eat horse and, and cat. I mean, it's, it's not a difficult thing. We have a super chat from Ranger Rob, Country Living. Shout out to you. Welcome. Ranger Rob, Ranger, Ranger Rob says, are you planning any new livestock in the future? Goodness, probably not. No, I'm not doing livestock. I have other things to do. We live in a valley where there's a whole bunch of livestock. We have, uh, the whole valley's organic. So we have multiple dairies. Um, we buy all of our beef um, right from our neighbor. I mean, you know, this doesn't have any nasty stuff in it. We get our chicken eggs from our other, the dairy, our cheese, our milk, you know, raw, all that stuff, unpasteurized. It's right strictly from the source, right from the valley, organic. We know the people. We have the people that, that we get the food from. We have them in our home regularly. So that's a wonderful thing to have. Um, I do what I do. And they do what they do. And if it comes to the point where, you know, where time gets hard and we need to, the food su su supply is interrupted, something like that, then I'm hoping that I'll have something to provide that will be barter or exchange, you know, whatever that may be. Maybe it's equipment. You know, I have skills, different abilities. I can hunt, you know, I can dig trenches. I can build, fix houses, fix roofs. You know, there'll be an exchange of labor for these things. So, uh, there's no point of me to trying to do this when the other guys are doing it so much better and that I can hopefully offer something to them in exchange if it comes to that. But for now, we just buy directly from them. I'm not a farmer. Thank you, Ranger, Ranger Rob. Bless you if you are, because it's not my calling. 
All right, this will be the last one. I got to take John from Alaska. You're, you're, you're the last one. I, I got to get out of here. Mrs. W is going to be knocking on my door here any second. John writes, uh, just to be clear about Mark 7 text concerning food, I wasn't trying to support it, simply wanting to clarify. Love hearing your thoughts. God bless you. I'm sorry, John. I didn't mean to direct my righteous indignation towards you. I apologize for that. Please accept my apology. I, I'm just venting frustration from the years and years and years of dealing with this, with stubborn, of suffering fools, so to speak, uh, about this topic. Um, so, yeah. Look into it. It's, the context is important. If you, I, I, you know, I can go into the Bible and I can pull verses out of context to justify anything you wanted me to justify. If I were, if I were the, um, uh, the, the, a ruler of my own religion, right? And I, let's say I was selling indulgences like our Catholic friends are so fond of doing. And someone came to me and said, I would like to do thus and so. Um, can you find in the good book, can you find justification for me to do thus and so? Well, how much you, how much you got there? Well, I've, I've, got, um, I've got 10 cows. 10 cows. Okay, let me see. Come, come back in a week. Let's see what I can do. I go through the scriptures. I pull something out of context. I'll pull it up right here. Right here. Right, right, where, right where it says. Give, you, give an example. It's okay to have your best friend murdered because King David did it. Right there. It says right there. That's what he did. A man after God's own heart. This was King David, not a man after God's own heart. He did this, so you're well within your means to do that. I mean, that's the type of foolishness we're talking about here. Of course you can do that. If you don't know the 66, if you don't know, if you can't roam to and fro through the, the whole books and... and Understand, you know, God tells us when you study the scriptures, it's line upon line, precept upon precept. You build a strong theology and understanding by supporting it with multiple scriptures. I talked about the one-legged stool. These guys are building, trying to build a, a scripture on a one-legged stool saying that this vision that Peter had that was showing him that it was now time to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, now this means we can eat salamanders, is a one-legged stool. Just built on that one thing taken out of context with any understanding of what was going on in the time and the, and the, and the problems between the Gentiles and the racism and all these things without any understanding of that whatsoever. I mean, it's childlike, as I've said. The only sound way you can build your understanding, your philosophy, your theology is by adding legs to that stool. Add another one. Add one here. Pretty soon you got three or a four-legged stool. Now that's something you can sit on. That's something you can build on. You have multiple examples from all through God's Word that, that fortify what it is that you believe or trying to teach. That's, we, that's what God is talking about in His book. Line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how it's done. That's how it's done. We're not children here. We're grown men. With, with, we're intelligent men here. We want to know the truth. We're, we don't want to, want to have a child's understanding and just stop at that. That's laziness. That's in, I can't tolerate it. I can't tolerate it. All right. Thank you, beloved. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for your questions. I'm not going to apologize for ranting. There's nothing wrong with having righteous indignation. Jesus, when he went into the temple, two times 
Fire flashed in his eyes and he was consumed with fury of what sacrilege and, and how, how the, his father's temple had been desecrated by greed and gambling and filthiness and lucre and, and money changing and all, all the, who knows what was going on there. Deceiving people, cheating people that had traveled for pilgrimages for profit. He saw all the, these things and he saw what and, and how the priesthood had turned a blind eye to this and he was furious about it. He had a righteous indignation. If you think that a Christian needs to be gentle Jesus, meek and mild and never stand up for truth or never, never um, stand for anything or oppose anything, well, then you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. It's, we're done with all of that. We're done apologizing. We're done being on the back foot. We're done sitting and by and letting our, our beliefs and our faiths and our families be trampled upon. We're done with it. We've had a belly full of it. And because no one else is going to step up, because the church has failed us, because the Christian leaders have failed us, then the work falls into the hands of the layman, and that's you and me. And if we don't do it, then it's not going to get done. So here we are. We don't want to be. We'd rather be doing other things. But when God calls you to do something, then that's what you've got to do. You know? I'm always fond of telling people when they say, we don't want this anymore, we want axes. Oh, well, you know, whether I should listen to you or God, judges thou thee. Pray for me, beloved. <laughs>